Thank you for downloading the Two Cities Church podcast, where we are pushing back darkness by spreading the good news of King Jesus. And now, here is this week's message from Pastor Jeff Struker. You may be seated. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Siobhan, Pastor Troy. All right, so if you go ahead and flip in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2, we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. And what the Bible is going to do for us today is it's going to zoom out for just a second, and then it's going to zoom back in on a specific point in creation. Not a specific point in time, but a specific point on the earth. If you started this study through the book of Genesis with us, we call it in the beginning because the very first verse of the Bible says, in the beginning, God created what? The heavens and the earth. Thank you. And then in the beginning of Genesis chapter two, it says, let me tell you about the creation of the heavens and the earth. And today it's going to continue those heaven and earth descriptions. And it's going to describe a specific place for us, a place that you and I typically refer to as heaven. Now I'm calling this sermon today, heaven version 1.0. Because this is the original heaven, this is the original paradise of God, we get a very vivid description of it, but let's just be honest, y'all, you don't need to look outside of this room or your living room to realize nothing on earth looks like what I'm going to read in the Bible today. Something went wrong, and that's going to show up in the next chapter of Genesis. In heaven 1.0, We get a picture of this perfect place that God created. Did you realize, church, that you were made for paradise? God originally created paradise, and then he created a person and put that person, Adam, in paradise. That was the original plan for all people. And one day, God's going to fix paradise. One day, God's going to restore paradise We just happen to live in between version 1.0 and the future paradise. And by the way, you got to be back here next week to hear the second half of Genesis chapter 2, the second half of this sermon. This is the moment in the Bible and in history where heaven and earth dwell on the same place at the same time. When we refer to ourselves as Two Cities Church, everybody who's been around for a minute knows the two cities that we're talking about are the city of God in heaven and the city of man here on earth. Well, in Genesis 2, that's just one place. Today, it's two cities. And we're going to learn from Genesis about heaven. And I want to basically redefine Actually, what I'm going to try to do for you today is fix some broken theology and maybe some bad preaching on what heaven really is. So let's roll up our sleeves. Let's get into Genesis chapter 2. We're going to start in just a second at verse 4, but I need you to understand that heaven is eternal and pay close attention to the verb tense today. I'm going to use the word is, not was or not will be. I'm talking about right now, heaven it is eternal. And Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 4, zooms out for a second. So let's take a look at what the Bible says. These are the records of the heavens and the earth concerning their creation. 
Okay, Genesis chapter 1 painted these six days where God made everything in the sky, everything on the earth, all the plants, birds, and animals, and he made humans. And then at the beginning of chapter 2, he rested on the seventh day. Now we're going to go back and look in more detail at a specific point on the earth. At that time, the Lord God made the earth and the heavens... No shrub of the field had yet grown on the land, and no plant of the field had yet sprouted, for the Lord God had not made it rain on the land. That's going to become real important in just a couple of chapters. And there was no man to work the ground. Say the word work out loud. For most of us in this room, work is a four-letter word, meaning it's a naughty word. We don't like that word. But back in Genesis chapter 2, it was a beautiful, a powerful, a very important word with no negative connotation whatsoever. But mist would come up from the ground and water all the ground. And then the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into, breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. If you got an old school King James Bible with you, the chances are that Bible uses the last word on the screen, a living soul. That's what the Bible is really describing for us today. It's talking about the creation of the heavens and the earth. And there is so much here that I could go for five hours just on these first verses. You don't want me to do that. So I'm going to hit it at a sprint. But when the Bible says this is the records, it's zooming back in for just a second. Can we go back to a very specific moment when God was creating the heavens and the earth and all of the plants... And before he made the plants, he had to put in plan somebody to take care of those plants. Adam was an original farmer. The first profession in human history was a gardener, ladies, or a farmer, guys. And then God describes heavens and earth, and he uses very vivid language for us. God prepares the earth. He puts a guy in the earth. And now that he's put Adam in the earth, now Adam can start to take care of the plants, take care of the animals, name the animals. That's Adam's role. Adam, I built everything. I'm putting you in the middle of it, and I want you to take care of what I built. That's kind of the language that the Bible is using for us right now. And Adam has a job to do. And by the way, it is beautiful powerful. It's important for every guy, every gal to have something that gives their life meaning, a family and a a profession or a vocation. And even before sin entered into the equation, there's already work and work is powerful. Work is good. But the first time that the Bible starts to describe how God made Adam, it uses very unusual language here. Now, if you were around a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Troy preached, he described how God created both Adam and Eve, both male and female, both of them equally holding the image of God, both of them with equal value and equal importance in God's eyes, but created them different. What the Bible describes for us today is God does something unusual with Adam. 
It's the first, and as far as we know, the only time that God gets into the dirt and he fashions dirt, and this word is the word that you would use to hammer metal in a forge. God is digging his hands in the dirt, and he's forming this creature. And newsflash, if God is in the dirt, that means God has to have hands. It's referring to God with flesh and hands here. We know him as King Jesus. And God uses pre-existing material, the dust of the earth. By the way, did you know that the name Adam is actually wordplay? The word for dirt is Adama. And God creates a creature out of the dirt. And then God gives that creature, man, a name. And he builds Adam out of Adama. Adam is literally named dirt. And Adam would have remained dirt, and there would have been no value, no worth in him whatsoever, except that God placed in Adam his image. And then God does something very unusual. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says that God breathed into Adam the breath of life. He whispered it into Adam's nostrils. All of the other creatures on earth, you recognize from Genesis chapter 1, God spoke the word elephant and it showed up. God said the word whale and they showed up. God said eagle and they started flying in the skies. But with man, God put great care, great work. He used pre-existing materials. He fashioned man with his own hands. He breathed into man his own breath, his own spirit. That's what the word breath means. And then the Bible says something fascinating. Let me go back for just a second. It says that Adam became a living being. Now this is a fascinating phrase. Because in Bible times, that word being means a living spirit or a living soul. I don't separate those two. I think those two are interchangeable. In fact, there's a Hebrew word here that we would use to refer to soul. And Joseph, I don't know if I have that picture of the Hebrew word for soul, but if I do, would you throw it up there on the screens for me for just a second? No, not that one. There's a different picture. Don't worry about it. Um, This word soul is, thank you. This word soul is the word that we would refer to as what makes you, you. You're eternal, and you're personal, and you're individual, meaning your emotions and the way that your mind works, all of those things. We can't put a finger on exactly where that is in the human body, but we do know this. You are individual, you are different, and you are unique, and God made you that way. I also need you to understand, because heaven is eternal, that from the moment that you took your first breath, your soul goes on forever. In fact, fascinating news article. I just stumbled across it. There is a mom and dad in Tuscaloosa, Alabama that just had, get this, their second set of identical twins in 13 months. These are not just two pairs of twins, really short together, but they're two pairs of what's called Momo twins. They shared everything in the womb, same placenta, same ambionic fluid, same everything with the exception of umbilical cord. Having one set of twins, according to researchers, uh, this type of identical twins is 
You are more likely to get struck by lightning than to have a set of Momo twins. And this couple, just a few miles from here, just had their second set of twins. Listen to this. This on the, on the screen is Brittany and Frankie Alba. And listen to these insane parents. They named their first set of twin boys Levi and Luca. And then just a couple of days ago, they had twin girls named Lydia and Lindley. And having two sets of Momo twins, you are more likely to get struck by lightning twice in your lifetime than to have two sets of these type of twins. Everybody in the medical community is looking at these two parents and saying, Wow, this is fascinating. I'm looking at these parents and saying, are you insane? Because when they become five or seven years old, you named all of them with the letter L, you're never going to be able to yell at the one that's getting in trouble. You'll never get that name out. And you just went from mom and dad in a single house to four screaming babies in, four, or in 13 months. Wow. What I want you to know about this couple is mom and dad can come together. And mom, can dad, mom and dad can, create, uh, can start the creation process, but only God can put a soul into those four babies. And the moment that God places a soul in them, those babies will continue to exist forever. Heaven is eternal. You were created for heaven, which makes you eternal and everything else that you see around you. The greatest man-made structures, the plants, the mountains, all of that stuff will pass away. But 10,000 years from now, you will still be going strong because God put an eternal soul inside of you. And we serve an amazing creator God. Now, not only is heaven eternal, but heaven is also very fruitful, meaning that everything that Adam and Eve needs is right here in the middle of this garden. Let's pick up the story in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 8, and here's what the Bible says next. The Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man he had formed, Meaning, apparently God made the special place first. Now he's got the place ready. Let me put the person in the place. The Lord God caused to grow out of the ground every good tree, pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden. Would you say the word garden out loud? Now say the word paradise. Because that's actually where the word paradise comes from. God planted the garden. He put a tree in the middle of the garden called the tree of life. And oh, by the way, as well as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that tree is going to become real important in just a second. Revelation chapter 2 verse 7 says, hey, for all of my people. Everybody who's ever been through some hard times, but you've held on to your faith all the way to the end, God has something waiting for you. God has the tree of life waiting for you, and it's waiting for you. Here's the Bible word, in the paradise of God, and you get a chance to enjoy it forever. Revelation chapter 2 verse 7 is pointing straight back to Genesis chapter 2 when it describes this garden and the two trees that are in the middle of it. Here's where we learn about the place that God created. Now, there's something important that I need you to understand about the word Eden. Eden itself is 
geographically describing a big region. We don't know exactly where the boundaries for this region are, but when the Bible uses the word Eden, capital E, it's talking about this big region that God created. And then when it uses the phrase Garden of Eden, it's talking about a specific place inside that region of Eden. This place is what we would call paradise because literally the Greek word paradise is garden. It's God's garden of Eden, God's paradise on earth. And this is the center of the universe for the Hebrew people. Joseph, if you can throw that image up on the screens of the earth and the heavens. When the Hebrew people read these words in Genesis chapter 2, they had this idea of earth and the depths below the earth. And then the heavens, notice that word is plural in Genesis 2, above the earth. And for them, there was the cloud layer of heavens. And then there was the star layer of heavens. And then there's another layer of heavens that we can't see. We don't know exactly where it is because we can't go there anymore. Genesis chapter 3. We'll describe that in just a second. That other level of heavens, that's where God is. And the ancient Hebrew people believe that we're here on this earth and underneath the earth, there's land masses floating on the water is this watery grave or the watery depths at the very core of the earth. And they get that language from the Bible. They actually get that language from Genesis. That's kind of their idea of heavens and the earth. The prophet Ezekiel and the prophet Isaiah both point to God's garden, this paradise that's waiting for his people. Even though we have sinned, even though we deserve to get kicked out of the garden, there is a paradise waiting for us. And that paradise is where God is. I need you to hear me, church. Look up here for just a second. Paradise isn't a plant or a place on earth. It's not the tree of life that makes it paradise. It's not all of the fruit and all of the good trees that are in that garden that makes it paradise. What makes it paradise, Genesis chapter 3, is that God shows up and he hangs out with his boy Adam and his girl Eve every day in the cool of the day. And because God shows up there, that becomes a special place on earth. And I hope by now, Christian, you're thinking to yourself, well, wait a second. I get up early in the morning and I go grab a cup of coffee and I go sit out on the back deck and I open up the Bible and I spend a few minutes with Jesus and I meet with Jesus and Jesus meets with me. Jeff, is my back porch the garden? Is my back porch the paradise of God? And the answer is anytime that God shows up, anytime that God meets with his people, yes, you are in a brief and a temporary place of paradise. Now it doesn't feel like paradise when the cell phone is going bonkers and your children are screaming and crying for you, but everybody should have a place of paradise. And I believe you should have it every day. Some place that you can meet with Jesus and Jesus can meet with you. Because God said, Adam, I'm going to make the heavens and the earth. Adam, I'm going to make a very special place called Edom. Adam, I'm going to make an even greater and a more special place in the middle of Eden. It's called my garden. And Adam, I'm going to put you right there in that garden, and then I'm going to show up. You don't have to come looking for me. I'm going to come to you, Adam. 
and we're going to hang out. And basically, Adam, I'm inviting you to my house. And I'm inviting you to live in my house, which is exactly what we think about when we think about the word heaven. I don't know if for you, heaven is floating around with harps and wings sprouting out of your back on a cloud, if that's your idea of heaven, but that's not at all what the Bible is describing. The Bible is describing heaven is where the presence of God is, and God's people get a chance to enjoy that place and to spend eternity in that place because the moment he breathed the breath of a soul or a life into you, you became an eternal being destined for a place called paradise. I need you to remember when you're feeling like life is hard, I need you to remember when you messed up this week, and I mean you messed up really bad, that that's not what earns you the right to get into heaven. What earns you heaven, the paradise of God, is the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I remind you of what happened on the cross, Luke chapter 23? There were two criminals on the left and right side of Jesus, and one of them was condemning Jesus. Hey, if you're such a great prophet, if you're such a great miracle worker, work a miracle and get off of that cross. And by the way, get me off of this cross too. And then one of those criminals on the other side of him said, hey guy, shut up. Don't you realize that this really is the Son of God? And then he says something bold and beautiful while he's hanging on that cross. Jesus, I deserve to be here, but you don't. And I'm just asking you, would you remember me? Listen to this. When you get into your kingdom and Jesus makes this incredible statement, hang on to this like it's a life rope for dear life Christians. He says, today I promise you, you will be with me. Do you know what the next word is? in paradise. Today, before the sun goes down, you and I will both be hanging out together in paradise. That criminal that deserves what he's getting on the cross and even admits, I deserve this, gets a chance to be with Jesus in paradise. And what's the difference between that one and the other guy? It's not the crime. It's not even how hard he worked or how good of a boy that he was. It was radical faith in a living God, and one of those two gets a chance to see paradise the, that day before the sun goes down. Listen, church, heaven is eternal. Your soul will go on forever. Not all people will spend eternity with God in paradise. Heaven is bountiful. It was made with plentiful fruit and everything that the human body needs. But I also need you to know the Bible uses language here that I struggle with because it's trying to describe just how beautiful this place is. And for you and I, these words can lose some of their meaning. There is no words in the human language, any language on earth that can really depict how incredible heaven is. In fact, that's what the Bible says about heaven. When the Bible describes it, it says, look, you can't even entertain the idea. It would, it would be impossible to describe even if I could give you the idea of what heaven is going to be like because our words just fail at this moment. And here's what heaven looks like from the perspective of Jews 2,000 years ago who have been working as slaves for a lifetime in Egypt. Genesis chapter 2, verse 10. A river went out from Edom 
to water the garden. And from there it divided and it became the source of four rivers. Now I'm going to give you four names and three geographic areas, but I'll be honest with you, the first two of the four names, we don't have any idea where these are or what they refer to. When Moses wrote this passage about 3,500 years ago, I'm convinced everybody knew what they were talking about, but no translator claims to know exactly where this river is. The name of the first is the Pishon, which flows through the entire land of Havilah. We don't know where the land of Havilah is. We have no idea. There's some guesses, but nobody can point their finger to this. But we do know this about Havilah. There's gold there. And I don't mean just any kind of gold. I mean the good gold. You know, there's the junk gold, I guess. There's the bad gold. And this place has the good gold. The gold that the gold from the land that is pure. And it has delium and onyx there also. These incredibly precious minerals and precious stones. The name of the second river is Gihon. The Gihon River translated that name means the well of Miriam. The Pishon River translated that name means the well or the water of gold. And the Gion River flows through the entire land of Cush. Now, Cush in Bible times would refer to the northern tip of Africa, Ethiopia, Egypt, those, that kind of that, uh, region of Africa. There's a third river, by the way. This river is the Tigris, and it runs through the biblical lands of Assyria. That's Mosul or northern Iraq today. And then there's a fourth river. And this river you know about, you probably heard about, this is the river, what? Euphrates. Now the name Tigris means strong or mighty river. The name Euphrates means sweet waters or sweet river. You have the strong river and the sweet river. You have the river of gold and you have the river that well, uh, the well that Miriam uh, used to draw from. And I don't believe this is a reference to Moses's sister. What the Bible is describing is a headwater, a place where you could stand and the greatest rivers on earth, you could stand at the source of those rivers and generally speaking, the mightiest rivers on the planet, you could go to a place where you're standing on one side of the river with one foot and the other side of the river with the other foot. Well, this is the region of Eden, the garden inside of Eden. And this, the Bible wants you to know, is like a roadmap. I really think what Moses is doing here is like Google Maps for the Garden of Eden. Like if you and I were driving, there would be a street sign that said, hey, the Garden of Eden is this way. Take a right turn and you're going to go to the Garden of Eden. The problem is that Adam and Eve, you and I, no human being get a chance to go there anymore because God snatched that place off of the earth and brought it with him where he is right now. But there is a moment where God will return the paradise of Eden back to earth. And you and I will walk in that paradise for all of eternity. 
Several years before I retired from the Army, I was in the Ranger Regiment. We were doing a series of combat operations, and we hit some targets late at night, and it was starting to take longer on the objective than we wanted to, and we were working as hard as we can to wrap up and to get back to the base before the sun came up because we're flying in helicopters low and fast across the desert floor to try to avoid enemy fire. But unfortunately, the mission just took longer than we expected. And I remember a very vivid moment in my deployments to Iraq where I'm flying on a special operations Black Hawk, making our way back to Baghdad from this target building. Now, I spent months of my life where two rivers come together, the Tigris and the Euphrates. Actually, I lived right on the edge of one of those rivers. I was staying in one of Saddam Hussein's old houses, and it was a palace converted into a military headquarters. Flying back, the sun starts to come up, and it's just nothing but desert and, uh, you know, uh, Broad, wide, open deserts with nothing for miles and miles in front of us. And the sun is getting higher in the sky and the pilots are moving as fast as they can. And I remember when we started to come into the plains that lead up to Baghdad. What I remember vividly, because the doors are open and I'm looking miles in front of the helicopter, is seeing those date trees and palm trees start to show up in the desert. It's like an oasis in the desert. And then pretty soon we fly directly into those palm trees and you can see the lush, fertile valley where these two rivers come together. Now picture for yourself for just a second, church, that you are the Jews who have been living in the land of Egypt as slaves and in the desert for your entire life. And Moses is writing down a record and he said, can I tell you what paradise was like? There was a river that came out of paradise and that river fed everything. And in my mind, as soon as I read this, I think about that image of flying back into Baghdad, those date and palm trees and this oasis in the middle of despair, desert. And then in the middle of that desert are a couple of trees, tree of life, and the tree of knowledge, we'll talk more about those in about two weeks. But in the middle of that desert, or in the middle of that oasis, is a man and a woman. And what makes that oasis paradise is that God shows up and God meets with that man and woman. And they get to enjoy God's presence. And I think if I were wanting to challenge you about what... We hope you enjoyed this message. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to stay in touch by joining our email list through the link in the show notes. Have a great week.